are listening to a Stroke of Luck podcast. I'm Deanna. And I'm Tyler. We hope you enjoy the show. Hey guys, welcome back to our show. Yeah, we're, we're glad to have you here today. And uh, we have our first guest. Um, I, I formally call her future mom or Rendy, <laughs> but, but uh, welcome Roxanne Zapparo. Thank you for inviting me today. I appreciate it. That is my mom. Yep. For, for those of you Context. listening, watching, uh, Deanna's mom, and, uh, she has a lot of, uh, context and stories and, um, what, what, uh, what do you do for a living that makes you, uh, especially qualified to talk about some of these things? I wouldn't say I'm especially qualified, but I am a nurse. Um, in the initial setting of when Deanna first had her stroke, I really was more of a mom. I had to be mom first. Nursing could wait. Right. So I had to set aside that. But, you know, it did help me in the fact that I had a lot of knowledge um, about the physiology of what had happened to her. Very cool. Well, thank you for being here. Um, your first time on a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh it's a lot less stress than doing TikTok live because we can cut. There's no, like, if you mess up, if you sneeze, we don't have to. I did like the TikTok live, though. Yeah, it was it was really good. Mm -hmm. I enjoyed the interaction and the questions coming from the community into yeah. us and then being able to answer it. We should um, go live. Again, yeah, we should do a live episode soon. Yeah, I wanted to go live, um, doing a behind the scenes while we were doing the TikTok as well. Maybe I'll, uh, maybe we'll do that next time and I'll train Nash on how to run the TikTok live. <laughs> so, Nash is behind the scenes, um, he's Deanna's dad, Ignatius. Yeah. Maybe we'll have him on the podcast one of these times too. But, uh, yeah, so we're gonna kick off the episode. Uh, first things first, we we have, uh, our guest, we have a thought. One of the segments is a thought with whoever our guest is. Um, so whatever's on your mind today, um, just feel free to share. Well, I think what was really on my heart today was the fact that there are so many people out there who need to have an advocate for them, whether it be a friend, a parent, another relative, someone else in the community. Um, it sometimes gets rough being an advocate. But, you know, my thoughts were kind of going that way that advocates, they always say, take care of yourself. Yeah. <laughs> it's better said than done. Yeah. Believe me. But um, also that being an advocate, if if you feel your loved one needs this or that therapy or this or that appointment with a specialist and you're getting stonewalled by maybe your general practitioner, there's nothing wrong with getting a second opinion. There's nothing wrong with checking out the cost of the service that you're looking for, because sometimes you do have to pay for things out of pocket. Right. Um, one example I know is a, a woman had a, um, hold on, it'll come to me. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're thinking. A mammogram, that's oh. the word I'm looking for. And there was a spot on it, and she wanted a second opinion and the insurance company kept saying, no, no, it's probably nothing. No, no worries. Just come back in a year. The doctor said the same thing. She just had a gut feeling and she paid for a mammogram out of her own pocket. And thank God she did because it was something. Yeah. So, you know, I think we cannot depend on 
the insurance companies to pay for every single dime of our health care. Sometimes we need to do it ourselves. Well, yeah. and you paid out of pocket with my bias. Yes, because the insurance company said there's no way. She doesn't need it. It's not medically necessary. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we talked it over as a family and we decided that it would benefit Deanna. Uh, the therapist felt that it would benefit Deanna. What is a bioness? A bioness, there's two parts to it. There's part that goes on your upper calf. And then there's a part, it goes down by your heel. So that every time you get a heel strike when you're walking, it sends an electric Shock. Uh, not a shock, <laughs> but it sends uh, an electric uh, notification that uh, goes off up in here. And that's where the ball of your foot is actually innervated from. So it'll bring up the ball of your foot. So that way you're not dragging your foot with foot drop. And it helps you to walk more normally, a more normal gait. Will you be running with one? Probably not. Although I think they have one in a they're a different brand in the commercial where the guy is running. And I'm this like, technology advances. It probably becomes more effective and more efficient. Yeah. Well, I did run with my bioness. Mm-hmm. Thank you for that thought. That was uh, a quite uh, in-depth thought for the day. So, <laughs> so uh, yeah, our next segment, we actually have a special segment today. Our sponsor, Cardinal Artworks, sent over a gift for Deanna to open today. So for those of you watching on video, um, you'll be able to see it. For those of you uh, listening on audio, we'll, uh, we'll describe what's happening as it's happening. And then uh, be sure to check out Deanna's Instagram and TikTok as you'll uh, you'll get to see it in action there. Yeah, Deanna Zuparo. Yep, at all the places. <laughs> also, you can always uh, find all of her links at DeannaZuparo.com. We have them all listed down there in the footer. So without further ado, Deanna, I think this is for you if you want to open it. I can't oh. wait to see what's in it. Can you get- Fresh from Cardinal Artworks. Let me move your mic out of the way. They do such nice work. I've seen some of their work, and they make beautiful things. They do. Uh, I don't think you need the scissors. We pre-opened it for you. You just have to rip it. There you go. Ooh, what's in it? What's in it? So far, we've got wrapping paper uh, or packing paper. Bubble wrap. Bubble wrap. That's pretty the way they wrapped it. Little unwrapping ASMR. Yeah. So for those of you not watching, Deanna's just throwing stuff at me over here. Kind of looks like Christmas morning. Is uh, that a modified cutting board? It might be. Right now, it just looks like a, a big square wrapped in white tissue paper and a red string around it. You know, I guess you'll just have to open it to, to see. I feel like playing the Jeopardy music. Do, 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 Probably should in the background. Yeah. If it wasn't copyrighted. Ooh, look at that. Ooh. That is gorgeous. So we are looking at, if you want to show it to the, the camera for the, for the, everybody on camera, careful of your mic, careful of your mic. Um, this is a handmade, modified, one-handed cutting board oh. made out of a different, a bunch of different varieties of wood. It's gorgeous. Um, they're all oh. rare, uh, rare or premium, premium wood. So those of you listening that don't know what a modified cutting board is, um, we'll have our, our guest kind of sure. explain that. May I hold it? It is gorgeous. It's heavy. 
Oh, that is... Th- this is nice because it's not going to slide around on the countertop. To begin with, with one person is cutting with one hand, you need some grippers on the bottom so that the cutting board doesn't slide away from you. And I can tell you, this guy must weigh 20 pounds, I <laughs> <Yeah>. swear. <laughs> yeah. But what's nice about this is right here, there are three little pointy... Uh, they're not nails. No, nope, those are nails. Are they? Yeah. But I but know I'll, they're stainless. Uh, yeah, and I'll tell you, um, Scott and Christina had a lot of trouble sourcing stainless steel nails that were long enough because mm-hmm. you have to have something that's not going to rust and is uh, food food, food safe. Yeah, yeah, food grade. So let's say you want to cut a tomato or an apple. You center the fruit or the vegetable on the little nails, and it'll hold it in place so that you can cut it with one hand. Cut it into slices. Now over here, let's say you just finished toasting your toast for breakfast and you want to put some jam on it. Just talking about the upper right hand corner. It has these two wooden pieces that are raised. I don't know if you can see that. Yeah, for those of you on video, uh, for those of you that are not on video, she's talking about the upper left hand corner has uh, two raised wooden pieces. wooden pieces that can hold food in place in an l shape yep so that it holds the food in place so you can put your bread in here and if you're doing it with one hand you can use the knife and come into the l pieces so that your bread doesn't slide all over the counter and it just is so much more convenient for someone who has a a difficult time yep and we we really do want to thank cardinal artworks for this scott hand makes all of his wooden products in a very traditional manner uh, you'll notice that there's very minimal screws only where necessary. So the grippers on the bottom are the only place with the screws. Everything else is very traditionally done. And um, it's so smooth. Yep. And it's why beautiful. don't we, there is another little package over there, Deanna. <clears throat> if you want to open that other package, it goes with it. I am so grateful. I'm. I think, oh my gosh, up. I think she's tearing up. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. So while Deanna opens the second package, I do want to say that Scott and Christina are now um, making these for sale. Um, and currently um, you can only... For the modified cutting, cutting boards you, you were what? saying? Yep. Open this. I'll, I'll talk about that. So Scott and Christina are making these uh, for the general public. You can... Sorry. <laughs> I should have seen that one coming. (laughs) More unwrapping (laughs) ASMR. Uh, Scott and Christina are making these for the general public. You can only buy them currently on our website, uh, dianazaparo.com. By the time that this podcast is out, that will be up. Would they make one without the modifications if someone didn't need that? You can buy regular cutting boards available on cardinalartworks.com. Because this would make a great, uh, I never say the word right, uh, Chicuterie board? Chicuterie board. Chicuterie yeah. board? Yeah, they make this charcuterie boards, cutting blocks, you name it. Um, but there is something else in here, oh, Deanna, if you want to open it up. So this, Deanna, is, and for everybody watching, uh, board butter. Um, board so, butter. yep, along with uh, your cutting boards come a board care card that tells you how to... right in here. Yeah. So people can see, look, things don't fall off. (laughs) (laughs) It comes with care instructions, and we'll read this later. Um, So just know that anybody that's getting your board, in order for these to last, um, you do need to follow the board care instructions because it's natural wood. It's not really um, 
it's not really designed for, you know, dishwasher use, Absolutely not a dishwasher. So for, for example, it says in here, never put your board in the dishwasher, never submerge or soak it in water. But um, you can take a damp sponge to yep, it. Yep. Yeah. And then they have uh, this board butter, which keeps the, um, keeps the wood nice and vibrant. That, and if anybody has like um, wooden spoons that they use all the time, they usually use olive oil to keep the wooden spoons from cracking. So with this here board butter, if it if you use it on this board, this board will last you years, years. Yeah. And the, the thing that I really love about this is Scott. Scott is such a fanatic, not a fanatic. Scott is such a fan of quality products that they source these rare woods. And um, I'm not a wood person, so I couldn't tell you what, what it is. But I know that there are some exotics in there. So it's a really good quality product. And you can even see with the staining that he did down here that it is perfect to the board. There's no overrun. There's no... Mm-hmm. Uh, open areas. It, it is truly done perfectly. Yeah. So that's from Cardinal Artworks. And um, in. Oh, it, I just wanted to bring this yep. up. If people can't tell on the video, these corners are all rounded. So yep. there's no sharp corners. Yep. Yeah. Oh, man. That is so gorgeous. I yep. can't stand that. I think Deanna should cook dinner tonight. <laughs> well, I think so. Well, we're, we're definitely going to make a TikTok video with that later tonight. Yeah. Too. So that, uh, that'll take the place of our uh, ad sponsor for Cardinal Artworks this time. So thank you, Scott and Christina from Cardinal Artworks for that wonderful gift. And uh, I, I hope everybody goes. Deannazaparo.com. Check it out. Yeah. And then again, our, our Patreon subscribers uh, can get 25% off. That's a good deal, 25%, huh? Yeah. I don't know what this purple wood is, but it, it's so beautiful. What we'll about, have to ask them later. Um, yeah. Different woods. Um, there's, it's, not a, it's not guaranteed. It's whatever they have, but what rare, they can rare woods. Hey, guys. I am so glad you're listening into our show. We need to tell you about Patreon. That's right. We have a Patreon channel where our most dedicated listeners can show their support and get extra benefits like early episodes and everything is ad free. In addition, Deanna puts out a monthly newsletter and a lot of extra great content like behind the scenes and bonus merchandise discount codes. Exactly. Way to go, Tyler. (laughs) So we want to see you over there at the Patreon and uh, we have many different tiers for you to choose from. Feel free to go check it out. The link is in the show notes. One quick thing. We have a TikTok channel, D, right? Yes. So uh, yeah, if you like the content that we're putting out, go see us over on TikTok as well. So our next segment is uh, we'd like to talk about intense therapies. Mm. We touched on that uh, in our last we touched on that on our last podcast episode, mm-hmm. but we thought, you know, you and Deanna went together. So you would, you, you, <laughs> every time <laughs> you both would be able to, to talk a little bit more about, about that. So I'll give you to the floor and I'll, I'll try to interrupt minimally. So if you want to, want to start wherever, wherever, how you found it, um, why you chose where you chose, and then you just your experiences. Um, how I found it. 
Deanna was uh, starting to come to the end of her therapies that she could have through our insurance company. And though I personally have come to hate the word functional, they were telling me that she was functional. Now she had no use of her hand. She could shrug and she had a little use of her elbow, but it wasn't enough to be what I would consider to be functional. So, and the same with her speech, she could utter, you know, two or three words and they considered that functional. And I'm looking at a 14 year old girl going, that is not functional. 14 year old girls have so much on their mind that they want to chat about with their friends, certainly not with their parents, but at least with their friends. (laughs) So I started doing some research about what other options might be out there. And I was on um, Google Scholar because I don't believe in just going to Google. If you're looking for real information, you need to go to Google Scholar. And I came across a group of papers that was written by Edward Taub about, um, they were written in the 80s, actually, a long time ago, about how monkeys, when they had an injury, would naturally use the unaffected limb. But when you constrained the affected limb, the monkeys would figure out how to use the unaffected limb to get food out of a dish. They, they're animals. They're not going to let themselves starve. Mm-hmm. And, of course, there's a lot more that goes into it. There's neuroplasticity uh, that goes into it that, you know, they found out years later that that's what was happening to the monkeys. Their brains were changing and rewiring to the affected limb. And I, I, through the research, I found that Dr. Taub had a clinic in Alabama. So. I called down there and lo and behold, they were actually doing a study on language. Does constraint induced therapy work on language? And uh, we applied for, I talked to Deanna about it and she thought, yeah, let's, let's do this. She couldn't say it. She just went, mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> and uh, we flew down and um, participated in their study. And they found that, it, it really does work for language. Let me back up a little bit. I also found at the same time that they were doing constraint-induced therapy for the arm. So actually, the first time we went down, we went down for her arm. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's how Dr. Taub got to know. Us. Us. Yeah. And our story. <laughs> yep. And so, and real quick, uh, as so that I'm understanding and maybe our guests are understanding the reason that you did all of this is because when she went to therapy here, there got to a point where she was like, if I'm remembering correctly, you said she's functional enough and you're like, what? And so that that's ultimately what led, what led here? Yes, absolutely. Um, the functional abilities that they think is okay to release you from continued rehabilitation therapy is nowhere near what I would consider a functional level. Right. Um, Through Dr. Taub's work, he also um, has done studies about how many caregivers could go back to work because their person that was depending on them became so independent that they could return to work. And I thought, well, what a great idea that would be. (laughs) (laughs) So um, let's see, we did the arm. Deanna did very well. We did the... Uh, language therapy, which really blew me away because she was only doing two, three word sentences, if you mm-hmm. could call them that. 
And the way they do the therapy, I can't even explain it. All of a sudden, she was able, this one time in therapy, she got 16 words out that pretty much made sense. Right. And we're like, so the language is in there. It's getting it out of there. That's the problem. Right. Which we do. Right. But like in Rochester, you only go to therapy maybe three times a week for 45 minutes. Now, with uh, people who have neurological disorders, you really need to have the repetitive nature continue. So if you just go to therapy for your 45 minutes, three times a week, you don't do anything else all week. You're really not going to improve. Right. Is that, that that's a process <clears throat> called, what is it called, Deanna? Neuro, neuroplasticity. Mm-hmm. And if you're not working diligently, th- those brain muscles, you're not forming those pathways. And neurons uh, sprouted. Yep. At Dr. Taub's research, they found that um, after completing constraint-induced therapy, the brain actually grows a little more gray matter each time which allows you more neurons that can hook to other neurons. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, it's kind of like the basis of it. But, oh, as I was saying, with the constraint-induced therapy, she would work with a therapist on her arm four hours a day. Mm-hmm. She'd come home. She needed a nap because, boy, that, <laughs> it doesn't look like hard work, but it is. Well, and that reminds me of, um, because I'm, I'm a big dog person, you can run a dog all day long and not tire it out. But if you work out their brain and make them think they're going to be napping for the rest of the evening. Exactly. So not to say, not to compare you to a <laughs> dog, a or dog but. but the brain, I mean, it's, that's, yeah. that's the first thing that comes to mind is mm-hmm. you work out the brain. You're, you're tired. You're exhausted. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so, um, let's see, she would go home, take a nap. She'd wake up around dinner time. I'd make dinner. And then we'd have like, two to three hours of homework. And that's something that Deanna mentioned the last time that I thought was really something that I don't think anybody realizes is that for intense occupational therapy to work, you, it's not just inside the, the classroom, so to speak. Mm-hmm. I mean, you really have to continue working at it. Some of the homework was we'd go outside of our door of the hotel room and she'd have to try and open the door um, she'd have to try and bring her with cup to my, her mouth with the affected yeah, arm. Yeah. Oh, because the unaffected arm was casted. There was no using it. <laughs> they cast your good arm mm-hmm. and they make you do everything with the affected limb or the affected arm. So <clears throat> some of her homework after we were done with therapy was to go back to the hotel room and work at trying to open the hotel room door work at pulling a cabinet open, work at pulling the refrigerator open, work on holding a cup and trying to bring it to your mouth. Um, as she became more, um, as she had more recovery, uh, they worked on fine motor skills, like out of a box of beans, pick up the penny, that kind of thing. And when you get home from constraint-induced therapy, they send you home with exercises. And if you don't do that... Yeah, yeah. If you don't do them, you just slide back to where you were. So it is a a, a pretty significant commitment. Right. And without that type of therapy, um, do you do you think she would be doing the things that she's doing now? Absolutely not. Because I know you and I can both agree that she probably could do more. Um, And and every once in a while, she'll take like a, a paper chip 
uh, paper chip. Uh, the clipper. Yeah, clip that goes over the bag of chips, and she'll work her hand. And I, I remember you're always like, "Good job, Diana, for for doing that." But it's see, I didn't, I've never knew Diana what before, so I have nothing to compare it to other than um, what the documentary video is that we're working on. But um, so it's just good to get that other opinion that you know it really does work, and from your mouth to everybody that's listening's ears. Uh, well, if yeah. they look at Tob's research. <clears throat> it shows that, like I said, people became independent enough where their caregiver was able to leave the house, knowing that their loved one would be safe. Yeah. And, and Deanna went off to, to college for a semester and basically lived on her own. Mm-hmm. You yeah. do you think, Deanna, could you have done that without this type of therapy? Not at all. No. It really accelerated the recovery process. Yeah. I mean, it was hard and long. It's difficult. (laughs) But my speech over the years was, I say, good, but people not every day, like, talk to me every day. So people who... Like, my best friend lives in Long Island now Mm -hmm. and she was in Syracuse and then she lived like in the neighborhood like prior to your stroke uh, yeah and moved to Syracuse and then go uh she went to Long Island for school and living there now. And she didn't talk to me every day. And she sees the difference. Oh, yeah. Yeah. As a caregiver, you might not see the difference. But when the person runs into someone who they knew prior or they had seen maybe six months before the therapy and now you're seeing them six months post-therapy, They'll they'll be blown away at the the progress that's been made. You and I see her every day, and we learn to speak aphasia. So <laughs> at work, to us, I it's met, normal. <laughs> it, through my work, I met with a family whose loved one was affected by aphasia, and they were very concerned about me communicating with the person. And I smiled and I said, "No worries, I speak fluent aphasia." <laughs> <laughs> and really, we did quite well. Yeah. And so Deanna quickly transitioned from physical therapy to speech therapy, but Mm -hmm. where you did, if you, you both want to touch on where you did a lot of the speech therapy. In terms of Alabama, if, if you have the option to go there, it's fabulous. Well, now, um, the Tom clinic is, uh, closed now. Well, that's, they still, he's still teaching at UAB. Yeah. His own clinic as far as I understand, is closed. But uh, UAB still has his program. Absolutely. Because we did the interview. He's still teaching. He's mm-hmm. still teaching people. And they still do it. It just, I think it went from more of a theoretical research into implementation. It is definitely being implemented in yeah. other places in the country. Unfortunately, yeah. not in New York. Right. But And he so, said it's all over the, the world. He, he was yeah. in Germany a couple of years ago opening a clinic. Yep. And he's, far, he's from Germany, if I recall. Or German descent or something. German descent, yes. So 
for the Taub clinic, the speech and language portion of it, they really focused on just language. Mm-hmm. And Diana was having trouble reading. She still is not reading fully, but reading has, has just been a stickler for her. And I found a program at Marquette University where they not only did speech, they worked in the reading portion. Right. So I reached out to um, Jackie Potawellis and talked to her. She put me in touch with uh, Tina Pugalusi, and we waited for a spot to open up and went out there for three weeks. And again, they work on the theory of brain plasticity. Right. They work on the theory of constraint-induced therapy. And this was at Marquette University? Marquette University, yeah. In Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Wisconsin, uh-huh. So um, we went there and their program is outstanding. Mm-hmm. And we ended up going back five times. Six. <laughs> Six? Yeah. I lost count of one. Well, the first time versus the last time, I had 80% talking and then 20% reading. And then the last time I went, it was 80% reading and then 20% talking mm-hmm. so they they will literally in the they they make a program suited just to that individual and if that inv- individual starts progressing quicker within the therapy they throw that program out the window they put their heads together and they make another program kind of on the fly because when they see that kind of progression they want to take advantage of it right and i found that interesting and it's another intense program oh absolutely with homework <laughs> Three to four hours a day. Plus homework. Homework. Mm-hmm. And having a nap after every time. <laughs> <laughs> every day. And so do, do you see results instantly or does it take like a couple of months for those, those neurons to settle in? I have seen results instantly. And I have seen the benefit of the three or four months later that like even more comes. It's like watching a flower bloom. You might see a few of the petals open and it's looking beautiful. And when you come home, like three months later, the flower is fully open. It's just something to behold as far as I'm concerned. So it's instant, but then it continues. It continues. Yeah. Now, here's a question that I thought of. What would have happened if she had a stroke on the other side of her brain? Is the speech center also on the other side of the brain? Or would that have affected different things? Not unless she was left-handed. Because left-handers a lot of times have the speech center. I don't know if it's directly in the middle or a little on each side. But either way, um, if it had been on the other side, that affects emotions. So she would have been possibly emotionally unstable, making poor decisions for herself. Um, her left side would have been infected as opposed to her right. So, yeah, it, there, there is different functions based on where the stroke is. So all things considered, I mean, ideally not to have a stroke, but <laughs> the powers that be made it on the, the better side, I guess. And going into line at the, like, Wegman, not Wegmans, going to Starbucks, having the good hand, like. <laughs> oh, driving <laughs> out the window. No, yeah. no, 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 going to Starbucks in the yeah. drive-thru. Yeah, you, your having window the hands open. Cup 
Oh, so you can get the cup with your good hand, not your affected hand. <laughs> but if it was on the other side, it could have possibly affected her ability to make good decisions. Good decisions. decisions. Which ultimately is the more important. But that's not, I just, I feel like we have to make the, the statement that that's not always guaranteed to be the case it depends Correct. on the exactly. person every and how their brain is, is different yeah. exactly. every stroke yeah like our friend matt he had a stroke and his vision was affected in a completely different way mm-hmm. even though it was the same side of the brain mm-hmm. it just is yeah. it's a, just goes to show you how amazingly and un uncomprehensively complex the brain is absolutely well with matt she uh, he? he oh matt if you're listening deanna just called you a girl sorry <laughs> he has aphasia but not severe right but his vision is like a double vision yeah and you're blind from the right middle right over yeah in my eyes yeah which is just fascinating that one person could end up with double vision and the other person can just be blind. Mm-hmm. So one of totally the things I wanted blind. to say, um, Deanna had gone to Starbucks on her own. We were maybe three weeks out from a visit to Marquette for speech. Mm-hmm. She pulled up to the sign where you can figure out what you want to order. Although she already knows what she wants to right. order because she's just a fan of Starbucks. Anyway, we're, work, we're working on making her a Duncan fan. <laughs> anyway. She came home and she was overjoyed. She said, Mom, I looked at the sign and was able to read what I wanted. So whether it was, I don't remember, was it a caramel macchiato at the time? No, it was the holiday drink, the um, caramel brulee latte. Creme, creme brulee or creme. caramel? Creme? C-R-E-M-E? No, caramel Berlay? Caramel Berlay? See, I'm not a Starbucks fan. Um, you could tell me that they latte. have alien brain Swiss chocolate, and I'm <laughs> like, that could be a thing for me. It's, well, she was just elated because she was able to look at the menu and see what she wanted and read it. Yeah. And I'll notice, I'll notice when we're driving down the road, there'll be like some signs, road signs or otherwise, with really hard words. And she'll be like, oh, blah. And you, you look at her like, what? Holy hell, girl. <laughs> I can't even pronounce that word, but it's, it's interesting because then sometimes she'll get stuck on really easy words. Mm-hmm. Um, could you explain, um, you could probably do it better than I could. The, the speech therapist at Marquette explained it really well. Um, and you've probably heard it explained more. So you'll know why that is something about like the, the Swiss cheese and Reference. like it's, it's there, but. It can't come out and it changes or, or how was that described? If you recall well, having holes in the Swiss cheese reference. Right. So some things are still together and some things there's holes in it. Right. And sometimes neurons travel around each other or around the hole and reconnect. So there's a couple different ways I've heard it put. Uh, one of the speech therapists here in Rochester said aphasia is like having a uh, merry-go-round in your head. You watch for your horse to come up and you, that horse is your word. And you go to get that horse and, and say it. And for some reason, the mare ground speeds up and the horse is gone. So you don't know what you wanted to say. And then, you know, other people 
have put it like a spider web. Some spider webs are very dense mm-hmm. and some spider webs are very loose. After stroke, you're not sure what you have. So they, they work on trying to put it all back together again. And what is aphasia? It would be a lack of language. I like to describe it to people as imagine having a never-ending brain fart. <laughs> is, is this true, true, Diana? I mean, it's you're living it in your head where you you know the word. Like if we're thinking of, um, oh my gosh, banana for for example. I went to banana. Okay, funny thing that said that. Um, I went to my friend's house yesterday, who had a stroke too, and affected side was her um right like uh body side yeah side and (laughs) she said something and in my head it was correct but like said banana like no not a banana it was a do-rag. <laughs> <laughs> and I say I said that multiple times. Banana. I'm like, what the heck? <laughs> I wonder if your brain was thinking of bandana. Bandana? Yeah. I think so too. Because that's the tip of, that's technically like do-rag is a style of wearing a bandana, I think. But it's like back to back to my example with banana. If sometimes you're thinking of the word and in your brain, you know exactly what that word is, but you just can't process it. And that's the closest thing that I can think of is is a brain fart where I know exactly what the word is, but I can't vocalize it. Um, back when she was in the acute phase of recovery, not the chronic phase. It was hilarious. I'm sitting in speech therapy with her. Kathy, her speech therapist at the time, is working with her. And Deanna comes out with, now she's barely saying coffee. And she comes out, says it as clear as a bell. She says orangutan. (laughs) (laughs) And she said it contextually correct. My favorite animal, orangutan. Oh, my gosh. We started busting up because we're like, she can barely say coffee, but she can say orangutan. (laughs) So there's a lot more in there than we think. (laughs) Well, we played um, a card game, Go Fish. Yeah. Yeah. Game. And the first like couple of times I said orangutan correctly. And, like, in my head, orangutan. And then narwhal. (laughs) That was another one she got. We were like, she didn't get goldfish, but she got narwhal. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) She mentioned in the last podcast episode that her first two words were no and mom. Yes, this is true. (laughs) How ironic or how... What were you like, oh, of course, that would be no mom. Well, at least she can do what she always does and be a stubborn kid. What was that? Well, I'd be, you know, I'd go into her room and say goodnight to her. And I'd ask, do you want me to turn the light off? And I wanted her to say to me, either yes, please, or turn my light off. 
And I go, would, would you like me to turn off your light? And she'd go, no, mom. I knew that's not what she meant. So a couple times I'd close the door and she'd yell at me. And I'd open up the door and I'm like, light off. And eventually she she finally was able to say it properly. Yeah. Yeah. But Luguini. Oh, yeah. In our house, we have a new dish. I don't think any other household in America <laughs> has heard of it. It's called squeenie. And squeenie is linguine with clam sauce. White clam sauce. And for some reason, she was trying to say that's what she wanted for dinner. We were in the store and she came out with squeenie. And I'm like, squeenie? <laughs> but yep, linguine with clam sauce. <laughs> that's but what that, now. And to this day, we, we say it just because it's our household thing. Yeah. And it's correct. Linguine and clam sauce now. But <laughs> before, man, I didn't say it correctly every time <laughs> so just a couple quick things that i want to ask um for our viewers and listeners before we close out this episode um what was it like and how did you communicate to diana before the language started coming back i just talked to her like i always did i didn't change i didn't drop my vocabulary down to a lower vocabulary i talked to her the way i did the day before she had her stroke, always, never water down your language. And how, how did you, how did you understand what she wanted? Did you like draw things out? Words have well, a point. At, at the very beginning, we had a picture book and that lasted about not even a month. And she threw that on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, nope. Um, we, it takes a lot of patience, but we would work with her and, you know, I would hold up the item and see if she could say the word and then say, is this what you want? And then no mom would come out and then I'd put the item back and then she'd stomp her, uh, her good leg, mm -hmm. which meant I, I, I couldn't say it right. I, that's what I wanted. But I said, no, mom. <laughs> well, I wanted my retainers from home so bad. Oh, when you were in the rehabilitation? Yes. Yeah. And you took pictures of my room and I found, well. You found the retainers on the picture. Yeah. And I'm like. Pointing to that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so for those of you who can't see, Diana is Italian sides coming out and she's hitting Sorry. the microphone. Sorry. So I'm. If you hear thud, 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 don't, don't worry. That's just Diana Italianing. <laughs> Can I just show this off one more time before we close out? Yeah. Um, and I just, I know Diana loves it, but yeah. I just want to show this one that more is time. This is so a. Yeah, I really, I knew that that was coming and I, w I was so excited to well, see it. Well, okay. First of all, we're talking I about the modified cutting board. My. Tyler's uh, dad, if can you make me a cutting board with the modifications on it for our wedding gift? Oh, I didn't know that. But yeah. so while the while we're uh, showing that off, could you just um, uh, tell the audience? 
in, in a couple of sentences or a paragraph or however you want to say it, what advice do you have for people, not just uh, strokes, but in general, families, friends of people with disabilities? What, what advice could you give them? Prayer in my faith helped a lot. And you just have to have a lot of patience with your loved one. Because there are days with, you know, as a caregiver, it's frustrating for the caregiver. But also, how frustrating is that to a person who was fully functional before they had their accident, whatever you want to call it? Mm -hmm. How frustrated are they? And they are probably more scared because they don't know what their recovery is going to be. I was scared, too. I, I didn't know, you know some well-meaning person at the rehab said, well, why don't you put her in a nursing home? And I'm like, my 14-year-old is not going to eat dinner with a bunch of 80-year-olds who aren't talking to each other. No. And, you know, Deanna was home um, starting the second semester of her freshman year, but she went back for her first semester of her sophomore year. She went back into school. So providing an enriched environment excuse me, providing an, an enriched environment for your loved one is very important. Um, I feel sad when I see people who are ensconced in their home all day long and there's no one there to talk to them, to keep them engaged. Um, you know, day programs shouldn't be ruled out because that also helps the person's mind become re-engaged. And that's my thought. <laughs> well, thank you very much for being I'm on the sorry, podcast. I'm sorry, I was so busy playing. Oh, that's fine. With the cutting board. Thank you for listening and watching us, and go follow us, and see you in our second, third, uh, <laughs> the <laughs> third episode. Yep. All right. Yeah. Available wherever your podcasting platform of choice lives. All right. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.